We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Transformative Principle, Episode 76 with Will Parker. I'm really excited about this episode today. I know I say that every week, but you know what? This is an awesome podcast and I learn a ton and I hope that you do too because it gets me excited every single day when I do it. We're going to talk today about dealing with difficult people and the key point here is make sure you are not the difficult person. Um, That's where you start and this is a great interview with William Parker. Please make sure you support him by his book. The link's down in the show notes, and uh, I'm grateful to have him on the show today. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I'd like to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about um, dealing with difficult people. That's difficult staff and difficult people that come into your to your office either students or parents or whatever um and talk about how to how to deal with those you've got a chapter specifically on that in your book and i just want to highlight some of the things that you do to um to deal with that and and your your first step is really my favorite one which is make sure that you are not the difficult person (laughs) yeah i i love that because that is so Powerful because sometimes you are being the difficult person and you just need to make sure that you're not the one who's being difficult, that you're, you're, so talk more about that. Well, think about our jobs. I mean, very few people, principals know this very well, very few occupations require someone to, to resolve conflict continually from the beginning of the day to the end of their work day. So you go from one, often one crisis to the next sometimes one very intense situation to the next, or maybe from a classroom observation to a special education meeting to a student confrontation to a parent meeting. But when you go from setting to setting, 
the person that encounters you has no idea what the rest of your day has been like, and neither should they have to know. It's right. not their responsibility that you have a hard job. And so when you walk in with all that baggage, really it's, it's, it's inconsiderate to expect them to treat you like you're some champion or that you're some person who's, who's putting out lots of fires because all they know is they have a problem or they have a situation that needs help, and you're the person who's meeting with them to help them resolve it, or perhaps you're confronting them, or perhaps you're mediating, whatever the situation is. And so it's so good to just check yourself when you're walking into a situation to realize that and to gauge your own temperament because um, because other people have no idea what you faced that day, but they also don't deserve to be um, treated any differently than if they were the only problem that you were helping that day or the only challenge Mm -hmm. that you were facing that day. So it's just so important to keep in mind um, that, that you need to be um, open and neutral when you come into that setting, because they could already be keyed up. They could already be upset. They're not usually seeing you because everything's great. They're usually seeing you because there's something (laughs) that needs to be, to be helped. And so checking yourself first to make sure that your own temperament is calm and professional and open and I always try to ask myself the question, you know, how would I want – how would I place myself in their position if I'm the parent coming in looking for solutions or if I'm the student who's intimidated to talk to a principal or if I'm any, – any person talking to me, how would I want to be treated? And, mm-hmm. um, and so, so I, try to, I try to get myself in that mindset of – and I usually say, it, it, even when students come in to see me, uh, the, usually the first question they'll ask them is, how can I help you? What can I do to help you? It's, and I know that's a customer service question, but it's what I want for people to do for me, and so I want to, I want to do the same th- for them. So I think that's, that's why making sure that you're not the difficult person is so important because mm-hmm. you at least remove that element of difficulty from the table and from the equation because sometimes if you are keyed up or you've already had a bad day or someone's already made you angry and you bring that in with you, then you've already created the possibility for this meeting to go bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So you, so you, so you decrease the, the emotions that are involved in the situation by taking control of your own. Mm-hmm. And that's not always an easy thing to do. And it no. really does take focus. Like you said, you need to reset yourself. You need to be intentional about that. Like you said, mm-hmm. you can't just think that it's going to happen naturally because it's not a natural thing to happen. It, it requires you to really think about it and do, um, and do what's right. What are some, what are some other strategies for dealing with people who are difficult? Well, I think I I think one of the I think the second thing I talk about in, in that chapter is just the, the importance of of understanding before coming up with a solution. And mm-hmm. I love that Stephen Covey quote about you know seek first to understand before being understood, yep. because because when when someone's trying to explain something to you, it's important to give them your to give them full attention. And sometimes I still struggle with this because if I'm being asked something on the fly or when I'm on my way to a meeting, it's hard to stop and give someone your undivided attention, but it's so important to give them your attention and to try to really understand before offering a solution. Sometimes you can shoot from the hip in a situation where you need to chew on something and digest it before, before coming up with a response. And there are times if I'm faced with something that's difficult where I ask for time, please give me some time to think about this and get back to you. Or let me, let me, let me respond to you later when I've had a, time, a chance, an opportunity to, to think about it. But I think understanding that, you know, and on a practical sense, seeking to understand someone, um, physical, 
physical posture during those times is really important too. So eye contact, openness, you know, clenched hands or crossed fists or arms are, you know, demonstrate closure. And, and I know this is like counseling 101, but it works, you mm-hmm. know, but, but open postures, um, uh, kind expressions, open hand gestures. And I take notes when I talk to people because if what they're saying to me is important, then they need to see that I'm that I'm demonstrating that I'm listening and trying to remember what they're talking to me about. So often when someone comes in, I'll pull out a notebook immediately, sit down with them, try to keep an open posture, and I'll take notes about what they're saying to me so that they, they can see that I'm giving them um, some my attention and, and I'm trying to come up with ways uh, to demonstrate to them that um, that what they're saying to me is, is serious, and uh, and that I will try to find a solution with them. Mm-hmm. Now, not every situation is going to be friendly. You've got sometimes you've got situations, especially when you're dealing with difficult people, um, that require you know firmness as well as friendliness. And I think that's the third thing I talk about in that chapter is is uh, you know being firm, um, but also being friendly. And uh, one example that I remember from a good principal friend of mine was a was a parent who came to see her after school one day and was very upset with her because her son had told her that this principal had yelled at him. And so she came to find my principal. This was at bus duty. And so she confronts her and says, hey, my son told me you yelled at him today. Mm-hmm. And instead of trying to re-explain the story or trying to make it sound better than it was. She just said, told her the truth. Yes, I did yell at him today. In fact, here's the scenario. I had already confronted him in the hallway on other occasions that day for being out of class without permission. And when I ran into him again, um, trying to get into the gym, I yelled at him because I was so frustrated that he was wasting his time in the time of our school. And I took him back to class and that's where he was the rest of the day. And instead of the mother getting mad that she had yelled at him at that point, she said, can you help me understand a better way to deal with my son? Cause he never listens to me or respects me. And so then <laughs> it turned into a, it turned into a counseling moment. Yeah. And so I, I just laughed when, when, because it was a situation where the, that principal's firmness, but truthfulness, her friendliness, but her consistency, they went hand in hand. She didn't, she was she didn't lay down and let this person walk over her, but neither did she um, try to pretend like she was, um, that it was okay to, to, to yell at a student without explaining the context. Um, she did both. And mm-hmm. so sometimes you have to be able to do both. Sometimes you just have to be able to look at someone and say, you know, um, you know, we're, we can, we can agree to disagree. And I think that's something else that, that I talk about in that chapter too, just learning how to, um, to, to, to come to the position with someone where you say, listen, you've expressed your concerns and I've explained to you the reasons that we do the things that we do. I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree and uh, and I still respect you, and I hope you still respect me. Um, but this is the this is the process that we follow at our school, and I'm so sorry that we couldn't come to an agreement about this. But I mm. I have listened, and I do respect you. Um, but this but I'm going to try to stay as consistent as I can uh, with the way that we operate here. And and so that's why I've, I've made the decision that I've made, and that's why I'm not changing it. And what I really like about that will is that you are essentially saying in that moment, this is. Just because you have an opinion doesn't mean that your opinion is right. This is how we're doing things at our school. And, you know, maybe you are right, but this is how we're doing things. And it would not be fair or right to change things right now. But, you know, we don't have to, I don't have to be evil because 
I'm staying consistent with this. And you right. don't have to be evil because you disagree with it. We are, we are both human beings who can have mutual respect for one another. And it is okay for us to have disagreements about things. But we still need to do what's best for our kids. And hopefully right. all your decisions are being made based on that anyway. And so it's a pretty easy place to stay safe on. But yeah. I, I think that's really powerful. And it, it's hard to do that too, right? It's it's not yeah. easy to say, okay, you've made your point. We're going to end the conversation. I don't really care how you feel. Um, that's not what you're saying. You're saying, right. I appreciate what you've said. I appreciate you taking the time we're going to move in this direction. It's okay that you don't support that. Yeah. And and I don't know about your school community, Jethro, but in my school community, I'm I'm most likely going to be seeing that person again that evening mm-hmm. or at a ball game or maybe yeah. even at church or at the store the next time I'm shopping. And so I want to make sure that I can look them in the eye when I see them and then know that I've treated them with dignity um, that we've been able to disagree with each other, but do it in a way that I still have their respect and they still have mine. Mm-hmm. And there may be times where meetings don't end that way. I've, there have been times where I've had to escort people to the, you know, not very often, but there have been times where I've had to escort people out of the building because things have gotten so heated that that they're, they're becoming unproductive or they're getting threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that's my job too. But uh, but you don't do that because uh, because it's because you're trying to be powerful or because you're because you're the boss. Um, it's all a matter of how do I best serve the needs of this school and, mm-hmm. uh, and how do I try to communicate with people in a way that we can disagree um, but still respect each other. So, uh, and sometimes – go ahead. So tell me some um, – what do you do when the, when the person says, um, well, okay, then I'm going to call the superintendent or I'm going to go to the board sure. or I'm going to write a yeah. letter to the newspaper. Um, yeah. How do you deal with those things? Well, they're always welcome to do that. I right. mean, this is this is a democracy, <laughs> and so that's what I tell them. You're yeah. certainly welcome to do that. You have the right to do that, and um, and if you'd like to talk to our superintendent, you're certainly welcome to do that. If you want to talk to our board, you can certainly reach out to them. Um, if you have social media outlets, then I hope you use them wisely and and. And, and prudently, but but I still try to repeat the same things I've said. I just want to make sure you understand what I'm saying to you, so that when you do have those conversations, you're clear. And then there are also times where it's just important. I mean, sometimes um, sometimes people resist trying to meet with other people with whom they disagree because they mm-hmm. anticipate how uncomfortable it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's just inevitable. And sometimes it's important to just say, hey, let's sit down together and let's go ahead and invite these other parties whom you're going to include anyway, and let's just go ahead and have this conversation. Because I would much rather um, have that those things brought to light with every person who's involved being at the table to discuss it than to keep talking around people who aren't present. And yeah. so um, – so yeah, so that's that's it shouldn't be intimidating. But there are other times where people want to take things to a higher level, and and in those and in some cases it's going to be a waste of time of the superintendent or a waste of time of the board members, and you have to be honest with them and say you know this isn't really something they're probably going to listen to you about. Um, they will always listen to you, but there are certain things that you have the right to appeal, and then there are certain things you don't have the right to appeal. So let me make sure you know the difference between the two. Because you may be having a conversation with them that um, if they're going to take it above you, I try to explain to them what that will mean. Mm-hmm. You know, this may be a situation where you can appeal the decision um, if it's if it deals with policies that involve 
the, the rights of students that may be violated or you think they are. And then there may be privileges or uh, extracurricular activities or something that falls outside of the, the issue of school rights that, um, at least in my community, our board and, and superintendent um, don't usually waste a lot of time talking to people about those things. I'm also very fortunate to be in a place where I've got a, a fantastic superintendent and a very strong board of education who um, who empower principals to, to 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 manage a lot of those conversations. And they do listen to to the community when they have concerns, mm-hmm. but they're but they're also very supportive because we talk about policies and procedures long before school begins that we're all on the same page yeah so we've talked a lot about uh patrons and and parents um mm-hmm. being difficult let's talk a little bit about difficult teachers it's a sure I, I don't think teachers typically try to be difficult on purpose but mm-hmm. it happens and and typically that's because of a lack of information how sure. do you adjust this when you're talking with somebody that you are supervising, which is different than talking mm-hmm. with someone that you are serving and you're serving yeah. both. I get that, but <laughs> well, so much of what I, um, so much of what I manage when it comes to difficulties with staff, I do privately. Mm-hmm. And, and because <clears throat> the difference between a patron and, and a teacher typically is that I've got a long-term relationship with that teacher that's built on trust as a fellow team player. You will see, Seldom, you know, I've been I've been putting posts on my website now for probably two years now. I think it was February was the the end of my second year, so two and a half years. And I'm not sure if I've ever put a scenario up of the kinds of conversations that I have with my staff or teachers that involve um, those kinds of issues. And that and that's for a reason. I could I could speak about that and write about that um, very fluently, but I also value the relationships with my staff and my team members so much that it's kind of like I don't talk about the conflicts I have with my kids or my wife. Um, sure. Now, I may tell you the lessons I've learned in those situations, but I'm not going to air anything that, that would embarrass anyone or, or would divulge confidentiality. So let me just give you some general scenarios. Perfect. If I have a staff member who is who's not performing well or they're not following through on directives or they're not doing their part professionally, then I try to communicate with them privately. I try to make sure that we've had a conversation um, so that I can ask them questions and get some feedback to make sure there's clear understanding. I also try to follow up um, and document those. So whether that's through an email or whether that's through the notes that we take through um, our evaluation system so that I'm not only having conversations, but that there's some kind of written documentation to support what we've talked about. I, and I, I think that's a common theme I've talked about before with other staff management is follow up with something that's documented so that you can refer back to it later. And then I always encourage my assistant principals, and I've talked about this a lot in the past, when you've got a person in, uh, that you're working with and uh, who's, a, who's a team player or uh, another staff person or a teacher um, who needs some very – direct conversation, or perhaps they're even in a position where they need to be considering looking at moving to another building, or maybe they need to be considering the fact that they're going to be reprimanded. Um, You just have to be willing to have those uncomfortable conversations and be honest. And I know there's a lot of training I went through in my courses in teacher training and my master's degree on on all the steps that you take to make sure that you're not violating anyone's rights and to make sure that you're following due process and to make sure that you're not 
getting in trouble with teachers associations and all those things. And I respect all of that, but I'm also a big fan of just being honest and telling someone, listen, this is the challenge that I'm having with you right now. This is, this is, this is the challenge that I'm having looking down the road. And these are the options that we need to start talking about in terms of improvement or in terms of change. And so let's, let's just, let's talk straight with each other and see, and see where we're going. Um, and, and just being honest with people and giving them feedback. Sometimes, um, when it comes to you know teacher turnover, I've got the same traditional turnover at my school that every school has every year. You know, with a, with a staff of 45 certified staff, or sometimes between 45 and 50, depending on where we've been in the last few years, and 20 or more non-certified staff members. Um, every year, I can expect four or five people that are going to rotate out of my building for some reason, mm-hmm. and uh, whether it's retirement or something better has happened or something's open for them. My very first year, I had, uh, I think it was around 14 or 15 teachers that transitioned. That was enormous change, yeah. but it also gave me the opportunity to to make, to to hire staff that were direct, um, that directly influenced by me in terms of hiring. So, you know, more than two-thirds of my staff are people that I've been directly involved in hiring now. And that's that provides me with an opportunity to feel like I'm I'm on the same page with them. And those who have been here before me, we have a good relationship, and I, I believe an open relationship, so that I can talk to them if if there needs to if correction needs to happen. But all of those all of those tips on dealing with difficult people work with teachers too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's making sure I've checked myself, making sure that I listen first and try to understand, making sure that I'm firm and friendly at the same time making sure that um, if we have to agree to disagree that we do. Um, and then I think the step that I take with them um, that's important as a follow-up is documentation to make sure that what we've talked about is something that um, I can later go back to and refer to uh, in, in, with written documentation in case there's a disagreement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, one of the things that you talked about was um, being honest and um, mm-hmm. And, and open in your communication with teachers. Yeah. And, um, can you talk a little bit more about that? And here's the mm-hmm. the angle that I've seen in, in talking with many principals and administrators and teachers as well about this situation is that because of association contracts and union contracts mm-hmm. and things like that, um, people aren't able to say what they really want to say in those situations because Mm-hmm. They have to be filtering everything through, um, through that right. due process or contract mm-hmm. issues lens, and make sure that they're they're saying what's kosher and quote unquote right. And and how do you how do you deal with that and the and the honesty piece? There's yeah. that's what I'm trying to Oklahoma, understand. Sure, sure. You know, I'm not sure how it is in your state, but in Oklahoma, it's a little easier for us because our state law allows us with new teachers to place them on temporary contract for the first couple of years, which means that their contracts are not automatically renewed at the end of a year. You have to recommend them for rehire. So with a new hire, it's um, it's it's much easier to say to, to him or her, if they're a strong teacher, I'm so excited about recommending you at the end of this year. And if they're not strong and if you've dealt with multiple evaluations and situations with observations and given them consistent feedback through the year where they need to improve, then it's much easier to say at that point, I regret to tell you that I'm I am facing the possibility of not being able to recommend you 
at the end of the year. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. And so that creates a scenario now where there's some uh, on their part where they begin to own, are they going to be stepping up to the expectations that you have? Are they going to voluntarily move on because they don't want to be left off the list? Are they going to be looking for some other career option because it's a whole lot better for them to be proactive and looking on their own before you have to say as an employer that you did not rehire them. So those are some of the scenarios that make it easier when you're dealing with temporary contracts. Mm-hmm. Now with a career teacher, you've got a situation that's a, that's that's more complicated because you've got a teacher that isn't going to be put on a list at the end of the year. Now, I still um, fill out evaluations for every one of my teachers to say whether they're recommended for rehire, but it's a different scenario because because they're automatically, those contracts are automatically going to be renewed for my career teachers. For them, we've had a long-term relationship, and thankfully, because I've hired so many of my staff directly, I had many of them in their early years, so I was able to filter out the ones who weren't strong and keep the ones that were. Um, But for teachers who were here before I was or that we've had career teachers or maybe some who struggle later even after they've been strong when they're younger, um, you know, those are deeper conversations. Those are the kinds that you have to have with them in terms of this is where I want to see you improve, but there's still a process. I mean, our teacher evaluation system that we use provides us with steps to take if they're not meeting goals. If they're not meeting those goals, then they're going to get rankings that require them to do some kind of plan for improvement. And if that plan for improvement doesn't show improvement, then there's steps for them in terms of what's going to happen uh, with their contracts. And so we've, um, in in the state of Oklahoma, things used to be a whole lot harder in terms of, uh, of helping replace weak staff or coaching teachers that that refuse to improve. But um but things have gotten I think more manageable in the last few years, at least in terms of of um our teacher evaluation systems providing opportunities for teachers to improve. And if they don't improve, here's the steps you take. It's never, ever easy because it requires a lot of work on the term part of the principal. And I know people outside of education will look at what we do and think, golly, you guys have to work so hard to so for a staff person to show improvement before you can ask them to move on. And they're right. We do. It's not the same scenario as you'd have in, in a, in a private setting mm. um, or in private industry, at least in the conversations I have with people in private industry. Sure. Um, but, but I have had some very difficult conversations with some very good people over the years. Um, some of whom have chosen to change positions within the, the district or some who've chosen to, to change positions and move to different places. Um, and, and some, and those are never easy conversations, but they always come back to that. They don't, they're not personality questions. They're performance questions mm-hmm. here. Here's the performance that I'm asking you to achieve. Are you, are you meeting that performance? And if you're not, then here's, here's the documentation to show how you're not so that it's not an issue of me and you. It's an issue of, of you and you. Yeah, absolutely. And I really want to highlight the the part that you said that those conversations aren't easy and they're not easy, not just because they're uncomfortable and, and hard to have confrontational meetings, but you're also dealing with someone's livelihood and their career. And you as a principal, I, as a principal, we cannot take that lightly. That's a very nope. real serious thing. And going back to what you said before of how would you want to be treated if you were in that situation? Um, I would definitely want a heads up 
if I was not performing well and I would not want yeah. to be blindsided and all yeah. of a sudden, um, you know, you don't have a future, um, after right. everything seemed like it was going fine. And then all of a sudden things change. Um, yeah. you know, that's not a good place for anybody to be. No. And, and I, um, wish I could say that I'm really good at that Jethro and I'm not, it's still a challenge, mm-hmm. but it's still something that's necessary. And, um, and it's something that over time I've gotten more and more comfortable with, but it's still, it's still probably, I would say it's the most difficult part of any principal's job. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that too. Um, so would you, uh, I know we've been talking for a long time. I really appreciate it. I've learned a ton. Thank you so much. Would you tell everybody how to get a hold of your, um, book? Yeah. If you go to amazon.com and just put in principal matters, uh, you can find it there. It's available through Kindle. It's available in print. Um, I don't have an audio version of the book, uh, yet available. That's something I've thought about doing. (laughs) But uh, but you can find it on Amazon. Uh, the Kindle version is a, a lot more affordable. The print version is a little bit more. But um, I'm going to be, for my Oklahoma friends, anybody listening, I'm going to be speaking at the June uh, COSA, which is our Principals Association Conference on June 12th, and presenting my book there. And I'll have some copies with me to sign, and, and they're a lot cheaper in person than they are ordering um, and having them mailed to you. But I'm excited. I, I would uh, be thrilled if anybody wants to uh, do a review. I've only, I think, I've only had one review on Amazon since I put the book out a few months ago, and and that was actually one of my st- uh, students, who's a published author himself. He bought my book and and came and saw me immediately, and I was excited because he said, "Hey, listen, I read your whole book, and I wanted to tell you as a student that your book really spoke to me um, because I I I'm interested in leadership." And I felt like every chapter had something to say to me. So I think this is a great book, not just for principals, but for anybody who cares about leadership. Um, I will second that so far. I have not finished it yet, but what I've, I have read so far is is really about um, leadership in general and good tips and strategies for for anybody. So I will answer that call and I will leave a review as soon as I finish reading it. Yay. Yeah, I know how, how important that is. Um and uh, I, I and just, of course, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, of course, anyone can find me at WilliamDParker.com. I uh, I just get so excited every time I see a new subscriber. That means somebody else is going to be getting my weekly posts with some ideas of ways that they can better serve their students in their schools. So um, I'd love to see some some of the listeners to your program uh, log in there at William D. Parker. Anybody who subscribes to my blog gets a quick download of uh, my eight hats for principals, which is a, a presentation and the ebook that I put together just for primarily for young principals and aspiring principals. But it's a great reminder for veteran principals on mm-hmm. the different hats that you should be wearing every day to serve your students and serve your school well. Yeah. And I also will second that everything that you write is powerful and makes me think and makes me, um, want to be a, a better principal. So I appreciate all that you're doing to help our profession and um, all the resources and, and skill that you're sharing out is just awesome. And thank you again for coming on the Transformative uh, Principal. And hey, thank you so much for having me. And thanks for the work that you're doing and connecting principals and sharing great ideas. And I applaud you. you you're a technology wizard. I don't know how you pull all this <laughs> off, but congratulations. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much. Um, All right. Well, thank you, Jethro. 
Hey, thanks so much for listening to my podcast. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me that you're downloading it, that you're listening to it, and that you're listening all the way here until the end. If you could do me a favor and uh, go to iTunes and rate this podcast and then share it on social media, that would be really great and I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much and have a great day. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher. And please feel free to give us a rating on Stitcher Radio or on iTunes so that we can help spread the word about how much we're learning in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Do you want to simplify your school's technology? save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.